Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and this is Your Strata Property. Stacey Barter is a learning and community engagement specialist and is involved as a facilitator of the Building Resilient Neighbourhoods Project in British Columbia, Canada. For over 20 years, Stacey has worked in sustainable community development with a wide range of communities, not-for-profit organisations and public sector agencies in Canada and Latin America. Her recent work focuses on building neighbourhood-based engagement, public engagement on climate change and health, community resilience and collective impact across sectors. Stacey holds a Master's of Education from Simon Fraser University, specialising in adult education, community development and organisational learning. Today, I am delighted to welcome Stacey Barter. Welcome, Stacey. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. You are halfway across the world and we were just saying how uh, sometimes that's difficult when we're here in Australia and trying to organise interviews with our international guests to get all of our timing right. And I think it's just wonderful that you've been able to make the time to chat with us today. Absolutely. Yeah, well, we managed to make it work across time zones and even across seasons. It's our winter here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now, we're here today, Stacey, of course, to talk about resilient communities. This really captured my attention when you delivered a paper at the Griffith University Conference in Surface Paradise. And I invited you on the show to share this with our listeners. I know it's something that they'll be really excited about. I'm going to ask you to start by telling us why is resilience a key concept for people living in strata-titled communities? Mm -hmm, Sure. Well, maybe I'll start more generally with what we mean by resilience, and then I can say a little bit about why I think that's so important for people living in strata communities. Um, So with the Building Resilient Neighbourhoods Project, when we talk about resilience, we're referring to our ability both individually and collectively to respond and adapt to change or challenges that may come our way. And so often, many of us are very familiar with this on a personal level. I may have personal challenges that I experience in my life. And so my capacity to be able to respond to that reflects my resilience capacity. But my colleagues and I, we've worked for many, many years in community development. So what we've been really interested in is not just at the personal level, but as groups of people or in places where we live, how does the concept of resilience apply there. And so we got really interested in the question of why is it that one community, and when I refer to community, it could be any scale. It could be a municipality, it could be a neighborhood, it could be a community within an apartment building. Why is it that one group of people in the face of crisis or threats or just, you know, general change that may be coming their way can really, instead of just bouncing back, which is generally the language we hear around resilience, this idea of bouncing back, sometimes we see that these communities 
actually can go even beyond that to bounce forward. So in the face of challenges, they actually are able to create an even better and more vibrant future for themselves. So that's really what we've been exploring around the concept of resilience. And my colleague, Michelle Colusi, who I work closely with, she studied hundreds of communities across North America to really dig into what are these core capacities that make one place more resilient than another. And what we have learned, if I had to distill it down, is that the degree to which people are connected where we live is really at the core of this. It's not the only thing. There's a whole bunch of other things that make us more resilient, um, you know, make communities more resilient. But this essence of being connected to each other in the communities where we live is really, really critical for our resilience. When we were just starting our work and talking to communities about community resilience and time and time again, we'd hear about how the invisible parts of community, you know, the degree to which a community was connected, the degree to which people felt welcomed, the degree to which um, there was a sense of pride in the community was so important. In Vancouver, uh, one of our largest philanthropic organizations did a really interesting piece of research where they, they reached out to Metro Vancouver. Vancouver is our largest city here in British Columbia to ask people what they saw as the biggest social trends that they needed to be paying attention to. And they thought it would be things like poverty and homelessness. And lo and behold, we're really surprised to find out that the big issues that people cared about were the degree to which they felt connected to others, exactly what we've been talking about. And the interesting thing about their research was that there was a direct correlation with where people lived and a very stark difference for those living in vertical communities or high-density apartment environments versus single detached homes. So they asked questions around um, the degree to which people knew their neighbors, how frequently they had that had conversations with their neighbors, whether they helped their neighbors out or their neighbors helped them out, whether they trusted their neighbors. And there was a very interesting picture that emerged that in apartments, people knew their neighbors less, they trusted their neighbors less, and they felt more lonely. So we've become very fascinated by this question of social connectedness and resilience in vertical communities or high density communities. And so I think this is particularly pertinent and interesting for those of us living in strata communities to explore. Mm, absolutely. Uh, as a, a lawyer working in the sector, I often say that I tend to see the worst of the worst in my work, unfortunately. So I see these communities that are dysfunctional, let's say, there's litigation, there's disputes, people don't get along. And just hearing what you say there about connection and a sense of pride in the community and feeling like you're a part of something bigger than just yourself – that is what's missing from these dysfunctional buildings that I often work with and come in to assist owners or assist the committees. And I often say to the owners, if, I'm, if it's the owner I'm working with, you know, have you spoken to? Have you knocked on the door? Have you gone around and, and do you know uh, Mrs Jones in Unit 6 who seems to be causing all of this trouble? And nine times out of ten, they say, oh, no oh, no, I don't, oh, no, I couldn't, or, oh, no, we don't see, or we go the other way when we... And I think, gosh, no wonder you're having this problem. And to hear you articulate it that way, that in the research that's what's coming out, is really, really fascinating. Yeah, I would agree. And I see a lot of those patterns that you're talking about in the communities that we work with as well. And, you know, I always, in a sort of lighthearted way, say, you know, it doesn't mean that we need to be best friends with our neighbors, but there's a difference between, you know, feeling like we need to be best friends and being neighborly mm. and having that sense of, of we help each other out and we look out for each other and knowing that there's that degree of connection, I think, is what we're after. And, you know, we talk about these sort of altruistic values behind this, but I think there's also 
real market value that oh, yeah. is worth considering as well because these communities that are more connected are safer. They're generally better prepared in, in the event of emergencies. We know that people are healthier. And, you know, this translates into a benefit for building owners and building managers. You know, people take more care of property when it's safer. So it's a worthwhile investment mm. on many levels. Yeah, and I imagine that people buy in and stay in for longer. There's not a high turnover of ownership or tenants. And that's really important in strata schemes because you need to have that committed few, if it is only a few, who are willing to take on the long-term projects and invest in that uh, value building that can go on if you're renovating, for example, and, and adding value that way. And having that really lovely community that you do feel connected to, a part of that's contributing to your well-being. Well, of course, that's a place that you, you want to live and stay and help grow. So, you know, I, I am lucky enough that, that some of the buildings I work with are really good examples of those kinds of communities and they are taking on big projects and whether it's a, a revamp of the building for energy efficiency or uh, new balconies, they are the kind of communities that can add value that way because they just work well together. The people work well together. They know who to talk to, who has what skills they're able to assist and they're kind of that other side of the coin. So, I, yeah, I think it is important that we, we look to those communities as well. Absolutely. Yeah, we often talk about the communities that have that, we call it a can-do attitude. Mm -hmm. And again, it's one of those invisible parts of community, but there really is a difference between different communities that have that or don't have that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to ask you, what do you say a resilient strata community looks like? But I think we've probably covered off a bit of that. Is there anything else that you wanted to add with buildings that you're looking at there in British Columbia? Well, you know, it is a lot of the things that we've been talking about, that connection between neighbours, that sense of pride. But some of the other things we've touched more lightly on, you know, we talk a lot about a strong local economy often and looking at the informal economy. And you just gave some great examples of that where neighbours are sharing. And so sharing ideas, sharing skills, sharing information, knowing who kind of has what, if it can be sharing things, but often sharing skills can be such a value add in that context. And the other piece is that, you know, if we look more broadly at the context of resilience and what are some of those key characteristics that we're, we're trying to foster, there's also this piece around collaborative leadership so that residents are engaged in being part of building the community and, and have a role and a voice in planning for what's happening. The other piece that we haven't touched on as much and that can be a bit trickier depending on the context is really how building design affects these things that we're talking about. So building design is, it has a huge influence obviously in the degree to which people connect or, or don't connect and um, so often we're inheriting infrastructure that may or may not foster that and so how do we get creative within that context? Mm. And I do see a lot uh, of attention in recent times being given to that by developers, by architects and certainly the conferences that, that I go to that no doubt you go to as well. Well, it's always a hot topic, you know, how, how do we design our spaces to help build better communities? And we are seeing that particularly in Sydney, where we have some fantastic inner city buildings that have green space, play areas, community areas, rooftops, things where places where people can come together and help build that community. So absolutely, that's such an important facet and why it's so important to include developers and the designers of these buildings in these kinds of conversations. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Mm. 
Now, are there any buildings or neighbourhoods perhaps, Stacey, that you've had a close look at as part of your research that you could share a bit of a case study with us or a story on how they're doing well building their resilience? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, Amanda, a lot of times when we're so inspired by these stories that we hear all the time about what different buildings are doing. And often it really is just such simple little actions. And they start as very small and kind of humble projects. But what I'm so inspired by is sort of the ripple effect of that. So, you know, the example you just gave actually of a rooftop garden is one of my favorite stories of of a particular building in Vancouver. It's a newer building. They were lucky they already had an existing rooftop garden. But the neighbors came together and decided to transform it from being an ornamental garden to a food garden. And they started working together to grow food. And and then I hear these stories of the transformation that happened by creating a space for neighbors to interact more casually. The relationships that were formed by gardening together, um, you know, the space that wasn't really used suddenly was really being used. But it also fostered these relationships across ages and across cultures. And I always say food is, you know, the the universal um, bonding agent that, you know, it brings people together so well. So the experience of transformation transforming the garden, being in the garden together was one thing, but then they also have now created this tradition of harvesting and having a huge annual celebration of making food together and then eating food together. And so that, of course, then spins off into so many different kinds of relationships that are formed and people helping each other out in, in so many different ways. So that, that's one small example, but I hear of stories like this all the time where you know a neighbor or a building manager gets one simple idea of, well, let's try this out. And then it kind of sparks from there. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't have the benefit of maybe that kind of a space where you can grow a garden, there are plenty of other ways to do that. Uh, I was working with a building once that did like a multicultural food fest. So they recognised that they had lots of different cultures represented in their building and they chose a particular date, the, the first Sunday in May, and they said, hey, let's set up in the foyer, we'll get our folding tables out and bring down a bowl of, of your favourite food that maybe represents your 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 background, your culture, what you enjoy eating with your family. And I thought that was just such a fabulous idea. And again, a way to come together around food for people to get to know each other, to try something maybe they haven't tried before and to recognize that vibrancy that they have right at their doorstep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talk about the difference between the hard infrastructure and the soft infrastructure. And while obviously the hard infrastructure helps and is really important for creating, we call them bumping spaces, you know, those spaces where people can casually interact. But there's also all this soft infrastructure of people who are willing to take the initiative to plan social events or things Mm. like the example that you just described right now is a perfect one of soft infrastructure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we try to do our best. We try to build a resilient community, uh, take up all of these tips and have the best of intentions. But sometimes we encounter problems and sometimes there are stumbling blocks. And I think it's really important that those blocks are acknowledged and identified so that we can avoid them, if not, first of all, then in the future. So as much as I don't like to dwell too much on problems, I always ask uh, guests who come on the show to talk about these exciting topics. What problems have you noticed people are facing when they're trying to build these kinds of communities and how do we overcome those problems? Yeah, to be quite honest, the problems that I hear about most often are the ones we've already been speaking about, which is that so frequently I hear people say, 
I live in this building, I want to be connected, and I don't know anyone. Mm. So that may not be the kind of problem that you're referring to, but that I would say is really a core problem for many, many people that that we hear about. And and that sense of how do I even get started when yep. this isn't the culture of the environment where I live? Yeah. Or I live in a really culturally diverse building, and I'm not even sure how to start with bridging across our different contexts and realities and cultures. So so often it's that challenge of getting started and, mm. and maybe going against what feels like the culture as it is right now or, or the the way people interact right now. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you've spoken about some of the challenges that we see a lot, which is that there may be a history of conflict within the building and sort of overcoming that. Now, I am a firm believer that these small interactions and having kind of light touch ways for people to interact in a healthy way that can start to shift some of those dynamics and actually enable people to build trust over time so that then when those challenging situations come up, they're better able to navigate them and there's just a bit more trust there. Mm. So it's the small steps every day. It's saying hello to people in the lift or in the basement garage when you're down there parking your car, Uh, the small steps to get to know each other, to build on that each day so that when you do have perhaps a big problem like litigation or damage to property, a large insurance claim, you can come together to deal with that big problem in a way that is more efficient and effective and helps you helps you grow from that rather than being overcome because you haven't got that strong foundation in the beginning. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, I would say so. And I mean, I, I can speak from my own personal experience that when I have a relationship with someone, I'm more apt to actually try and be empathetic and understand their point of view Mm. and be more creative with my problem solving. So I think that that's a really critical piece for sure. Yeah. And I think it's important to bring that to the attention of our our listeners that you might think, oh, we're, it's mostly investor owners here. We have a lot of tenants. Everybody just keeps to themselves. Everybody just gets by. I just want to come home and shut my door and I really don't want to be bothered or to be involved. And that attitude might be fine on a a day-to-day basis. But when there is a big issue, uh, like a a few of the things that I've been highlighting, that's when you do see communities really struggle and kind of unravel because you haven't got those relationships, those connections that other communities might have built day by day. So if you're feeling like that, if you're feeling like all this stuff that Stacey and Amanda are talking about, it's not for me, it's not for our building, that's not the kind of building we're in, you never know what's around the corner. You never know what's on the horizon that might be a challenge for your building that you're going to need to call on that bond that uh, you can start building today with those little steps. I would agree. And, you know, maybe a more extreme example, a little bit different from the examples that you're sharing around sort of conflicts and litigation would be in the case of emergencies. So we're actually doing a whole program right now on emergency preparedness and social connectedness. And of course, we all know if you just look at the evidence across the board, when there is some kind of emergency that happens time and time again, those that fare well are those who are more connected and at a minimum even have a sense of knowing who their neighbors are and who's in the building and who do we have to sort of check in on in the case of some extreme event. So I think, again, it's not about always being best friends and all the warm and fuzzy. I mean, that's lovely as well (laughs) if those friendships emerge, Mm. but at a very core level, just understanding who our neighbors are and that sense of looking out for each other at a very basic level. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now I want to ask you the book question, Stacey. What books have had the greatest impact on you and why? 
Yeah, I had such a hard time with that. I, I think <laughs> partly because I'm always reading different things. And um, actually, most of my reading is my escapism, to tell you the truth. Yeah, but, you I'm know, with you. One of the books that's been really influential for me is a book by an American author called um, Community, the Structure of Belonging. It's by a man named Peter Block. Mm-hmm. And he talks a lot about the different conversations we can have that foster the sense of belonging. And, um, you know, I, I facilitate these types of processes. So it's a lot about how to facilitate good conversations between people so you can actually create an environment where people have that sense of belonging and mm. connection. And one of his lines is social fabric is created one room at a time. So I love that. I love that idea. <laughs> yeah. And very relevant to Strata, that's for sure. Maybe it might be one one lot at a time, one apartment at a time, one owner, one chairperson, one Strata manager at a time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. You're here. Well, Stacey, I want you to let our listeners know how they can find out more about you and maybe about the Building Resilient Neighbourhoods project that you're involved in and anything else you want to add before we wrap up. Sure. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to stay in touch with anyone who's interested in what we've been talking about. So the easiest way probably to stay in touch is our website. So the project is Building Resilient Neighbourhoods and the address is www.resilientneighbourhoods.ca. And of course, neighbourhoods is the, we would say the Canadian spelling with the U in it. That's not also the, American spelling. the Australian <laughs> spelling. The Australian yeah. spelling as well. So <laughs> Resilientneighbourhoods.ca. Um, and you can find me through the website as well. And, um, uh, you know, in terms of closing, I think we've covered a lot already. The piece that we haven't talked as much about is, you know, I think, one thing is the role of residents and and that idea that just starting with something small can make a big difference. Mm. I also really feel like there's such a key, key role for building managers and property managers as well. And so I hope that people see their role in fostering and building community as as an important part of their role. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for raising that. It's something that I've said before. As we rely on technology more and more, processes become more systematized, property managers, strata managers, start outsourcing a lot of activities, the one thing that you cannot outsource is that human contact, that human touch, that high-level customer service that only you as a as a skilled human being can provide to your buildings. And I always urge managers, if you're looking for that point of difference in what is an increasingly competitive market, then start focusing on building those skills. How do you stand there with your buildings as a fellow human and really relate to them and help them as a trusted advisor? Yeah, the the city of Vancouver is also engaged in a bunch of research about vertical communities. And that was actually one of the key elements that stood out in the research that they did was the role of supportive building managers in in, in fostering community. And that role of being, um, we've actually been starting to use this language of thinking of social concierge. Yeah, I love <laughs> so it. So how to actually bring that into, into our work as one of the components that's part of our role. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there's a whole other uh, podcast episode there. Thanks, Stacey. Yeah. Some social concierge. Love to chat to you about it. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Enjoy your winter weather over there. And uh, as I said, we'd love to have you back to have another chat in the future. That would be wonderful. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au.
You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today?